Hello, and welcome to Chosen by Committee, the podcast where myself, Christopher Munden, and John Rosenberg read through every Pulitzer Prize winning play written since 1918, so you don't have to, or so you will read along and join us. Like I said, my name is Josh Heron. I am an elementary school. I did not say that is what Chris is nodding. Um, I didn't say my name, but I am Josh Heron. I am an (laughs) elementary school teacher um, in Philly. I'm on spring break, which means that we've like almost been doing this for probably around two years, which is crazy. Um, And um, I am joined uh, by uh, 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 <laughs> by Christopher Munden. Yes, hello. Um, and the delightful John Rosenberg. Hello. Um, how come I didn't get a delight? I think I just, I've been seeing me and Chris have been going on little theater dates now that Philly theaters are open, so I'm seeing you more, and it's just not as exciting to like. It's mm. just like you're just like you're you're becoming That's part of the terrible. Party. That's terrible. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas it's a real delight to you. To know. Um, I was also, I should say, I'm I'm currently, um, John's going to roll his eyes out of his call. I'm currently working on an Instagram theater brand. So uh, please, if you like the podcast, follow me at, at theater guy Josh. That's T-A-T-R-E <laughs> guy Josh. Um, I know it's pretentious as shit to spell it theater with an R-E, but ER was taken. Why? Um, why? And I do tend to write it that way. Why is it that way? I feel like it's like snobby British. We don't like British people here. Some of us. None do. of us are British. Um. Anyway, that was my uh, my first segue into. Uh, Wait, can you say it one more time? Your handle? I missed it. At Theater Guy Josh. That's T H E A T R E Guy. Josh, J-O-S-H, uh, <laughs> like to see exclusive content of what I'm seeing in theaters um, and links to uh, this podcast and some reviews. Um, uh, this week, we are talking about 1979's um, Buried Child by Sam Shepard. Um, Sam, I think this is the only win for Sam Shepard, but he would go on to I think be nominated twice more. Um and to western the curse of the starving class he didn't get nominated for curse of the starving class because that was written before this uh, i think it's true western like is that thing crazy for crazy for love savage love savage love that's the pot no love um does anyone do one of you want to uh, give the summary it feels like a john play to me do you want to do it chris no, not really. Okay. Um, it's going to be a bad synopsis, but I think uh, the play takes place in Illinois. Um, and uh, the set is a house somewhere in Illinois. Uh, all the action takes place in a living room. Um, it tells the story of a family. Um, can't remember the family's name. I don't think it's really uh, important, um, but it's a, uh, there's a father who's kind of sitting on a couch and he's sick and infirm and he keeps calling up to his wife who's upstairs. And as the play goes on, um, you 
learn about this family and uh, there's characters that come in and it's basically a broken family. They have a son that had gone to New Mexico that never mounted to much, who's now living with them. Um, there's just like a lot of bickering. It's a, it's a sick and uh, sick house. The action of the play really uh, is propelled by the return of a son. So the son Grandson. of what's was that grandson or yeah yeah the the grandson i should say uh the grandson returns he hasn't been home in like six or seven years with his girlfriend he's like 18 19 with his young girlfriend and he's there to uh see his family that hadn't seen in a long time and also to find his father he's on his way to go find his father um and there are allusions to a child that was buried uh, and the family doesn't recognize the young man and it, there's just something completely off the whole time in the play and you can't really understand what is wrong. Um, and so the son keeps trying to, you know, the son runs into his father is like, what are you doing here? I was on my way to find you. None of them act like they recognize the grandson. Um, the grandson then leaves, the girlfriend stays behind. The mom goes on a date with a preacher. They show up at some point. The grandson returns drunk, tears the place apart. And uh, basically the, the son <laughs> comes back inside with the bones of a dead body. Cause all, there's all these like- uh, Dead baby bones. Corn. What's that? It's like the dead baby. Yeah, but there, so I think the thing that, you know, the thing that there's something often weird because there's all this corn that's growing. And so like in the first act, uh, the son comes in with all this corn and he makes a big mess. And it's like, where's this corn from? Um, and then at the end, there's just like this bountiful harvest and the son comes in with uh, the bones of a dead baby. I think the synopsis kind of like matches the play just in the sense that you're not supposed to particularly fully understand what's happening. It's not like right. uh, the play is linear um, and it's, it's, it's in its like presentation, but um, more so I feel like than any play we've really seen, it's just like, you're not certain what's real, what's not, whether characters are aware of what's happening or if they're telling the truth. Um, so yeah, it's, it seems like a play that is attacking the form itself, that is attacking America, that is, uh, it's, it's a very uh, angry play. Um, it's like a, it's like an angry, it's, it's like a, it's like a, the play of an angry poet. Mm -hmm. um, and you either like poetry or you don't. Maybe. maybe. I think that was actually a great, a great summary. And I, I think um, one of the things that I think you can sort of see from that summary, but I think is really hard about this play is there are moments that are so surreal and so difficult to understand. But I think if you look at like the cast descriptions, the relationship and the setting and the like dynamics is it feels like we're gonna get a like a, like classic American realism play, right? We have like a farmhouse, we have a nuclear family, we have a 
a son that's coming to visit. We have the preacher, right? Um, it is like grounded in, like it starts off like grounded in sort of an American, American realism. Um, I guess realism, I don't know what would make it American about it, except this play does feel, I think, very American. Um, given the Potentially so, yeah. Um, but like, as things, like the more you see this family, the more like you just see things have like festered and are like, um, I, I don't know, I want to, like it like feels like curdled milk or something. What did, have you, like, is this a play that you have a lot of experience with, John? Me? Yeah. No, I, I, you know, my experience with Sam Shepard, uh, I mean, I think I, I really know him from the right stuff. You know what I mean? I know him as like an American playwright. You know, I know that, uh, I think for me as a playwright, he's like a dude that you either like super try to emulate or you just completely try to disregard so you don't get caught in him. Um, it's funny because I've seen, after I read this, I've seen plays where I'm like, oh, it's just copies of him. Mm -hmm. Like, with like weird violence. And um, there's just like so much poetry in the language. Mm -hmm. And it's like a weird, uh, it's a weird juxtaposition of stuff. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, the line that really stood out for me was like, after the rain that the, the ground was breathing. You know what I mean? There's like very, very beautiful passages in it. And it's like, it's a, it's just, it's a very strange form to me. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like, uh, I almost think of the Man of the Moon Marigolds play, right? Mm -hmm. The effect of gamma rays on Man of the Moon Marigolds, right? Mm -hmm. That there's certain things like within the light spectrum that we're able to see. Mm -hmm. You know, there's like Roy G. Bibb that we're able to see, and there's other there's other parts of the light spectrum that we're just not able to see that we're being hit with, like the radiation or whatever. This play to me kind of makes me think about that. That like he is doing something either quietly or it's almost like a dog whistle, but not in a not in the wrong sense, like in, the, in a racist sense. But like he's attacking the form and America in a way that's like it's very interesting mm -hmm. but yeah. um and the family yeah it's it's like it's but it's not like straight on you know what i mean like because i was thinking about that the championship season play too mm -hmm. because championship season and this play there's a link to it of like that idea of just of uh something rotten you know when you're yeah, saying like hurdles or whatever yeah. right but they, they took, a, you know, the, obviously the two of them took a very different approach to showing that and to attacking that idea, you know. Um, and I think we're seeing that in a lot of these plays, right? The, the Gamma Rays play, the, um, the nursing home play. Uh, the gin game? Yeah, championship season that's like moral rot at the heart of... American theater, American life. Yeah, this one, this one seems to present the rot as something not within the diorama. You know, it's not a pretty picture where like within the diorama it's contained. It's like the, uh, the pathogen is everywhere. Mm. Like to me, yeah, the, path 
the pathogen is the play itself too in the form that's just the feeling i got i might be wrong but yeah well, he yeah. does it with the he does it's it's well done as in like um he does with the form what he's trying to do with his theme if that made sense so he's trying to bring out um yeah that like that strangeness that idea that something is wrong that like moral corruption um and he does it in the plot with i mean we i don't know if you mentioned in your in your summary the incoherent somewhere the um the secret is the buried child but the real secret is that that buried child is offspring of uh the son Tilden and the mother. Um, like, that, I mean, that's a blink. That's, that's, that's like a. That's like my. I mean, that's. Well, no, I'll be perfectly honest. That is a blink and you miss it. Um, that is like the synopsis I read shares that, and I was like looking for it, and so I was like, did I miss that? And it's 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 there. Um, I, I totally missed I didn't. That. I got that from the play. That's uh. I, so uh, just a wonder, a quick note is um, Sam Shepard revised oh, this play in 96 when it was revived at Steppenwolf. Um, did he take that out? I don't know. I'm just wondering. I think I read the revised version. Um, I know I read the I've revised seen version. seen it. Uh, you know, I don't remember. Um, so that could be a... um, But I thought it was clear in what I read. Mm-hmm. Um Anyway, so, right, the incoherence of moral corruption is something that is a theme of the play and, and the form goes towards that theme in a really effective way, I thought. Um, because in a sense, you don't know, yeah, you don't know what is real. Like, is, is Vince that very child? Is, that, is the fact that the child was killed even real? Like... Did that happen? Um, it's funny because, you know, hearing you guys talk about it, I feel like it touches upon so many of the past masters and then does something different with it, you know? Because there's like the, there's like the O'Neill family drama. There's also yeah. like the Alby, you know, this question of what's real, what's not. Um, uh, death of a salesman, Miller. You you seen that? Uh, and um, right, I would say there are and the violence. It's not just a one son; it's a family of three sons. We see two of them on stage. We see oh, that's right, the one dude without the leg. I forgot about the Catholic wife yeah. on his wedding night. Um, Tilden has um, Tilden has he's now mentally defective or, or something. They talk about how he can't take care of himself uh i don't know the order of the sons but i'm i take that bradley is like the middle son and he has one leg that he cut off somehow or something like that and then the third son is disgust and he died in a motel room something like that right yeah but yet his, his mother on his wedding night there's like, the, there like a mob hit um mob hit. i mean according That's to his- strange. That doesn't uh, make sense, right? Yeah, I mean, it, and it's very much like this is a family of people that it, it, it in some ways it's like this is imperfect, but it's like a working class Albie, right? Like, because I think Albie really like toys with like 
what are the lies people tell themselves in order to live and how do people dilute themselves? Um, and I think you see that like here, the things that are kept under the rug or buried literally or, right. um, or mistold. I think that, I think a thing that's interesting with this play is I think like, I think around like on one hand, how heavy handed the metaphors are and sure. the are, but how it's not in a like sloppy way in like a like really like, I think in a way that's supposed to like be really intense. Um, yeah, I'd say reading this, everything seemed to happen so quick. Like the pacing almost seemed off to me, maybe the pace I was reading it. And I don't remember that from seeing it on stage. It didn't seem so like weirdly fast paced on stage, if that makes sense. Because it, it does, does because hit. there's a weird thing that happens. I feel like when the son, when the grandson shows up with the girlfriend and yeah. like reading it, it's like they kind of get into a quick fight and then she decides to stay. And then he like, leaves. Yeah. Right. And then the third, you know, in the third act, she's like ingratiated in the family. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, what the fuck's happening? Yeah. yeah. I, I understand what you mean. I mean, I think there's some, yeah. I mean, I think um, it, it's a, I think it's a play that like, it just, it, I've seen it and then maybe it was like an easy to watch and it is an easy to read. Um, and I'm trying to remember the thing that struck me is really very strange in this play is like how much how much talking that that girlfriend character does of like i don't feel good <laughs> like this is weird um that's sort of like her whole thing and um but yet when it, there's a that interesting scene before the grandson and the girlfriend come into the house and she is kind of like laughing um and her picture of the place and her picture maybe from what he's told them is like, this is a Norman Rockwell painting. This is like this, she's from Los Angeles and this is like Americana. This is like rural uh, Illinois. And this is like, this is what America is and the kind of idyllic version of it in her head. And she's going to embarrass him. And then very quickly, that's not the case. And she's uncomfortable. Right, but then she wants to stay. Uh, yeah, and then, yeah, and leaves at the end, right, though? And he wants to stay. If any of them, if like, it's so strange, yeah does uh, John, no or, John did you I know sometimes you skip stage directions um in this one yeah because this I is another really remember I feel like this is one where a lot of historic like he's very much a like well he, yeah I mean he, I caught the much, stage directions the stage directions are interesting like in the first act with like <laughs> With like the corn and the shucking of the corn, and then he gets buried and, like, in it, right? And the and the haircut and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like uh, no, no, no. I, I definitely I caught those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Right, a lot of the first act takes place in the directions, doesn't it? Yeah, I think a lot of the a lot of the whole play takes place in the directions. Um, hmm. which... But so, both of you have seen this play, yeah? Yeah, I've seen it a couple times. Did you see yeah. that Egopo last before COVID? I did see Egopo. That's my only experience. Um, and I saw. I think I saw, I uh, forget her last name, Michelle as uh, Holly, um, uh, who you know, John. Yeah. Yeah. So can I, just ask, yeah. can I just ask, like, your memories of seeing the play and then reading it, like, are they two completely different plays or... They're different plays because when you see a play on stage, it's taking place, you know? Like, no, I mean, don't... I don't know about that. Like, I feel like some you can easily see in your mind when you're reading it, but this one seems like different. Yeah, I don't have a lot of great, I don't, I don't remember it so well. Um, so I feel like I remembered. I mean, I remember like the I remember some of the images very strongly, but I don't necessarily remember how I got there, um, which is yeah. interesting in that like it's not wrong that he's like a very poetic playwright and his language is beautiful, but it's interesting that the things that like stick with me with this play are these like really iconic. He like makes these like iconic, actually like very visual sort of moments of the of the corn husk of the fingers in the mouth of Bradley like crawling off stage. You know, he like, right, yeah. I, I feel like the the lasting, like the baby, I feel like the lasting things of this play. And I, and I think at the time I attributed it to direction. Like, oh, what but, a, no, it's, but it's not, it's, it's like, it's just like, he like very much has a very visual, um, a very visual capability with at least in this one i'm curious to read his other work and see if that's um i read curses of starving class years ago but um well i remember saying uh when we read death of a salesman that i had seen that play a few times and i never having seen that play been like are these flashbacks real mm -hmm. like they happen on stage you know they happen on stage and maybe you can give some indication that it's it's just, um, uh, I forget the character's imagination. I think you guys said you didn't think it was. But like, I reading it on the page, I was, I was struck. Like, I'm not sure those happen the way he thinks they happen. And, yes. um, but when you see it on stage, like, you don't have that same room for interpretation in a sense. Or it takes a leap. It takes some directorial action, maybe, to have that leap. And it would be a dis directorial decision, maybe. Um, and likewise, watching this, like, I don't remember uh, feeling that it was so incoherent. So oh, that's not right. So postmodern, so, like, um, metaphorical, so, like, on the edge of reality, because it's happening on stage and, like, it's these people on stage, if that makes sense. And and so it is a somewhat different experience for me reading reading the play. 
and good like i i liked uh, i liked the uh, i liked reading it for sure it was a good read short isn't it short i don't know where i actually end up falling on this as a play like i think it's sort of impressive and i think it like <sighs> i can see um, why it won i think so i just can't. it's like and i would see it again I'm probably again. I would like. I, I'm like interested in see, like in seeing it, but I would not say I don't think that I enjoyed reading it. Where did you fall on it, John? I mean, I feel like uh, I feel like he really doesn't give a fucking shit what anyone thinks, and like. Um, He's after something that I don't fully understand, which is always interesting. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like in just the sense that like, I think just that idea that there's things outside of the visual spectrum that hit you, that you don't understand what they are. I feel like, I feel like this happened to me with this play and I don't know what he's doing to me, which is always fascinating and interesting. Cause I think a lot of times like I love the gin game, but that thing is in a diorama that I, you know, that's framed and I'm in control of what I see and I either enjoy it or I don't, you mm -hmm. know, but this thing goes outside the frame for me. Um, I feel like who's the lady Sarah Kane, right? Yeah. Sarah Kane. Love her. I feel like, is there like a link in their work? I would think so. I, I can see that. I mean, uh, one of the most striking scenes in, um, for me, her best play, Blasted, is, um, spoiler, like uh, one of the characters digging up a dead baby from the floorboards and starting to eat it. It's such like a shocking visual scene and and you'd have to think that she's aware of this playwriting it yeah yeah they're i feel like they i think there's like a certain class of them that they're after something different and like to me there there's something hopeful about it in a way that albie isn't Do you know what i mean because i feel like albie in a way is working with outside the visual spectrum where I don't fully understand what he's after. And, it, and his plays hit me and affect me in certain ways. And I feel like Sam Shepard does too, but there's like a hopefulness to this play that I didn't feel with Alibi. Um, where do you find the optimism in the play? I think I with the, what you're saying. Yeah, I think with the bounty of crops, you know, I think the bounty of just all the food outside, I think the bountiness that you never see in like the, it's either the, the baby or like the body into the ground and like what grows out of it. There's like a Steinbeck thing to it, mm -hmm. to me, you know, I saw like Steinbeck. Um, yeah, I think that's, a, I think Steinbeck is a, is a good a reference yeah a good reference yeah there, but feels... you know, I mean, there's something there's something hopeful to me about this play that's not like uh you know what i mean it's like it's there there's there's a weird hopefulness to me in this play 
Um, I agree. I don't know where I find it, but it isn't as bleak as uh, as some. It doesn't leave you bleak. I mean, for one thing, he has that dramatic scene of towards the end um, of the uh, of Tilden coming in carrying the dead baby, but that's not how he leaves us. How he leaves us is with Hallie's speech. That's kind of like about the growth of the crops and it, it must have been the rain, it must have been the sun and maybe that's the last word. So he does leave us on somehow an optimistic note, perhaps. There's just something large, I guess to me in a way it's like, I think another way of saying it is there's something larger to him than just this house. There's something larger to him than just like either the American life or I don't know. I don't know what it is, but there's something larger and bigger um, that exists. But I, th I think it's really neat because maybe after reading it, you know, it's like uh, there's like this Nazi <laughs> who's, uh, who's like diary I'm reading, right? And he talks about this idea that like, uh, you know, a lot of times the books you read or whatever, it's just kind of like compost for your mind. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You're not supposed to remember everything you read. Um, and it just kind of like, uh, it's, it's, and I feel like this play, there, there's a touch of that where it's like, it's nothing that you can put your finger on. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's very, uh, there's something very beautiful about it. Um, but it's very sloppy and strange and weird. And um, yeah, it's like, it's, yeah, yeah. A thing I wanted to mention is, I think, is I think Sam Shepard's interesting too, in that he is like sort of part of like this East Village, like rock and roll sort of, New York scene. He was really good friends with Patty uh, Smith, um, which means I'm sure he was like in with Robert Maplethorpe. Um, he was doing like really small, weird, weird off, 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 off Broadway stuff for a long time. He'd been active, I think, for about you know 15 years before uh, Curse of the Starving Class and Buried Child. Yeah, he would do like hour and a half long monologues. Yeah, I think he was like it was like straight. I think so. It's interesting that. Um, seeing someone like I guess from maybe like a more performance art or like countercultural space being sort of accepted into the American theater um, is like a different sort of pathway for an author than we've seen um, I think so far in terms of the Pulitzer. I'm not sure how many more we'd see again. I mean recently uh, Taylor Mack who's like a crazy queer performance artist was Pulitzer nominated for a sort of, I don't even know if I'd call it a play. Um, but so there's this interesting, like, I don't know, just in a different engage, like, like as performance art becomes a thing that is like not theater, but like adjacent to theater, it's interesting how the Pulitzers sort of try to reckon with that or how those artists like try to engage with more conventional theater practices. And don't forget that Sam Shepard was also in Black Hawk Down. I, was he? 
What's um? What was like a uh, Susan Laurie Parks background? I don't know. I feel like she may have been certainly from her plays. I feel like that. I don't know if that's the case. So I think she won. Do you want a Pulitzer? Yeah, I thought so. Um, I'm finding it right now. Um, um, another thing I was interesting thinking about this play is I just saw A Winter's Tale, um, and Shakespeare. What? Shakespeare. Oh yeah, um, and it's sort of most famous for there's like a stage direction exit pursued by a bear that sort of like oh yeah, um, mm. and. In the dramaturgical notes, they were talking about that this show wasn't performed at the Old Globe. His last few shows were performed at another theater that was inside and was lit with candlelight. And because of that, the process of experiencing the play was actually, it was, they argued more visual. Like you could play more with the visual effects because there were things that were not able to be seen. Um, mm. And so like Shakespeare then does like, you know, has significant plot points not with no dialogue at all, but with stage direction. That happens two or three times in The Winter's Tale, um, which just was like interesting to thinking about how um, stage direction and like that kind of visual um, playmaking um, is part of the process. Um, I'm looking at for Susan Laurie Parks one second. I'll edit this out. I like the... Um... Uh, Shepard's stage direction, at least in, in the one I read, of when this, when a grandson comes in and he's smashing the bottles, and he's like, this should be the sound of bottles smashing, not a tape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Who would you want to be in this play, John? Uh, I think I would just want to watch the play, actually. You oh, That's such a cop-out. No, it really isn't. You'd be the father, surely. Which one's the father? I would say the um the one that fucks uh, the mom. You would be the one who fucks his mom, yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> I was thinking there's no coming back from that. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking the uh uh the grumpy old guy on the sofa. You'd be Dodge. Mm. No, John would be Dodge. Sure, I'll give it a shot. Uh, E.B. Bradley. Well, that may be me or getting up to bitch and, and that's where the whiskey is. <laughs> yeah, that's you. That's you. Uh, I feel, and I feel like I am not. Maybe I'm the baby. Uh, or, um, It'd be uh, nice to see, like, to see Chris Shelley? carry you in his arms. <laughs> As a dead baby. Um, next week we're reading uh, Tally's Folly. Which looks, oh, it looks, um, I don't know. It looks, it looks like it's going to be really normal, is what I mean, when, which is interesting because I think things are getting more and more sort of weird with the Pulitzers. Um, I should also mention that I think in the next two years, we're big British success. I, I think we're about to be the place where like British imports are really like, a thing so this year um the elephant man um 
won the Tony. Won the Tony, and um, the year after that, Bent was um, Bent was nominated, and Children of a Lesser God won the Tony. Um, um, yeah, there'd be some big British playwrights around this time, I would think. Uh, Is Bent the gay concentration camp play? Yeah. I love that song. <laughs> I can't laugh about it. Yeah, you, you can't laugh that hard. And... <laughs> uh, well, until next time, let's say goodnight, folks. Good night. Mm-hmm.